Welcome back to the cinema, folks. I sure hope you didn't lose your minds over that new humdinger of a film. But most importantly, welcome to Double A CinemaCast, the most in-depth bi-weekly movie podcast hosted by two best friends, Mr. Anthony Dalpiez and Mr. Adam Schwartz. Every other week, a new film, from Alien to Rear Window, and from The Muppets to Jurassic Park. Give it a listen, give it a like, and be sure to tell all your friends about Double A CinemaCast. Welcome to a very special edition of Double A CinemaCast. Your weekly film fix. Although I guess in this case I should say your weekly Clone Wars fix. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I could honestly do a show where we just talk about Clone Wars episodes each week. <laughs> so this week on Double A CinemaCast, Anthony and I will be reviewing the final season of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, uh, which premiered on Disney Plus uh, back in um, February. Um, and just recently, February or March? I think it was March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. February, actually. Like the last week of February. Okay, yeah. Um, and recently concluded on this past May the 4th. Um, and this is our review of that 12-episode season. Yeah, this is this is neat for us because I feel like this was almost kind of the start of the podcast. Because I yeah. remember, what was it, a little over a year ago, mm-hmm. you were recommending I check out Doctor Who. I was recommending Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Oh. And now we're here. Yeah. So um, this, this series holds a really special place in my heart because I feel like I always was a big Star Wars fan. But mm-hmm. then getting into this series, it just took me off into a new level. Yeah. This is, the best way I can describe it to someone who's never seen Clone Wars is you have your, your nine movies. You have what is the canonical Star Wars, and there you go. The Skywalker um, Saga. Yes, you have your Skywalker Saga. And then this is kind of like, if you enjoyed those nine let me take you behind the, behind the curtain here. Let me show you what else we got. And this is just a whole new level of in-depth Star Wars lore and action and characters and planets and plots. And just, it's a whole nother world um, of Star Wars. Yeah, you're right. It adds so much depth to the saga as a whole. Yeah. So... Did you watch the micro-series Clone Wars that, that aired from, what, like 2003 to 2005? I remember being in elementary school and watching, like, catching it here and there on Cartoon Network when mm-hmm. it came out. Um, the only thing I remember from that miniseries was there was a bounty hunter who I don't believe is canon... Named, dirge. named dirge yes and yeah. i remember dirge and that's it <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty neat in that so that series was developed by the uh, creator of samurai jack mm-hmm. and i remember watching it being a little disappointed because in the beginning there, it would just be two or three minute clips yep. a lot of times no dialogue mm-hmm. and there were a lot of fantastical things that happened like Mace Windu taking on a whole droid army without a lightsaber. Like, he's punching droids. Yeah. And it just, it didn't feel exactly like Star Wars. Like, even when I was watching it, I always felt like 
this is a little extreme. This is a little not really canon. Mm -hmm. So, but then fast forward to March of 2008. I remember my mom shows me this Yahoo News article that says that they're doing the the Clone Wars in CG. Mm -hmm. A movie's coming out in August, and then there's going to be a TV show to follow. And I remember thinking first, wait, what, they already did the Clone Wars. Why, why are they doing it like this? Mm-hmm. And then I remember it was an image of Obi-Wan Kenobi and his fighting stance. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, this, this could be awesome. Yeah. But then that summer when the trailer started coming out, I was thinking, I saw them and I thought, oh, this looks kind of kiddie. I'm not really into it. Mm-hmm. But then after seeing the trailers over and over again, something changed in me and mm-hmm. I got super excited. So I saw the movie the weekend it came out mm-hmm. with my brother. And I think we were both kind of like, this was all right, but like <laughs> not the greatest thing ever. I, I was more excited for the series to follow. And then the series came out and mm-hmm. I was pretty hooked. I, I went through ups and downs with the series mm-hmm. where at first I was into it, then I dropped off. Then I caught the reruns of the first season. I was super into it. Mm-hmm. totally in for the second season mm-hmm. fell off a little bit on the third season then jumped back in around when um when the savage press stuff was happening in yeah. Wars, and then just was in for the rest of the series oh yeah um i definitely agree with you on what you just said there with especially with the uh jendy tartakovsky series with it being very fantastical. I rewatched some of the clips um, leading up to this last season, which we'll be discussing today. Yeah. Um, and there was a clip, I think it was Mace Windu, either Mace Windu or Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. I can't remember who, but they're leading like a bunch of stormtroopers or clone troopers on like speeder bikes with like. Oh, Obi-Wan. Yeah, with like. M- lances like they're gonna be jousting and i was like watching it thinking this makes no sense (laughs) like never like yes we have speeder bikes in the star wars universe and that's fine but like lightsabers blasters but we're gonna we're gonna joust with the droids okay (laughs) sure um or they they do show which i wish that the final season showed but i'm not too upset um we see the battle of coruscant Mm-hmm. Um, which has some really great moments in that original 2D series where yeah. there's that s- kind of close-up of just the Separatist ship and the uh, Republic ship, and it zooms out, and it's just a field of ships just fighting each other. Um, yeah. But then that also has some very fantastical moments where Mace Windu reaches into a vulture droid, pulls out wires, and then rides it like a horse. I know. I just, I, I watched that scene actually recently and I'm like, I don't understand what he's doing here. Like, is he using the force on the wires? Is he just, is, yeah, it doesn't make too much sense to me. Yeah. It's like, if you pull out the wires in a car, you can't just all of a sudden turn it into a horse. Like that's not how anything works, but okay. Um, but no, I, I agree. This, I think what, the original, or the, sorry, the original, I'm sorry, the 2008 CG Clone Wars does really well is basically, I think, what the original trilogy does really well, which is it's, I wouldn't necessarily call either series for kids. 
Like it's it's not a kiddie show and mm-hmm. it's not an adult show. It's a family show. And I feel like Star Wars similarly is for everyone. Mm-hmm. No one no one's like, oh this is just, this is just kids or oh this is way too adult. Like this is for everyone. Yeah, George Lucas was always pretty adamant that it should be aimed for 12-year-olds. Which I think to a degree, some episodes in Clone Wars for, I would say even at times like for eight year olds, <laughs> um, there are some pretty goofy episodes of Clone Wars. Um, but there are also some episodes where I'm like, if I had a kid, I would not let them watch the show. <laughs> yeah, it gets or, pretty dark sometimes. Or at least some of these episodes. Um, in particular, the storyline where Ahsoka is forced to leave the Jedi Order or leaves the Jedi Order, chooses to leave the Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole plot, the um, the Night Sisters and Savage Press and Darth Maul, there were some, especially when Savage first finds Maul, there were some moments where even I was like, and I'm a 23-year-old guy, I'm like, I'm a little creeped out. This is a little uncomfortable for me. If I was like 10 watching this, I would be freaked out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Spider Legs Mall is scariest mall, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, he um, is freaky. He's unhinged. Um, but yeah. So, so they, oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. You're good. Something interesting about the impetus behind the creation of this series was it was George Lucas. He mm-hmm. was involved with the stories, and he was executive producer on these this series. Mm-hmm. But something I find interesting is that. Dave Filoni, the supervising director, he was hired on for Clone Wars in March of 2005. That's when they started production. So if you look at it then, the the Clone Wars micro series was still airing. So like, I, I wonder what it was like at Lucasfilm back then. Like yeah. People being confused, like, wait. Yeah. Like, what? Are we stepping on someone's toes here? Or what, what's going on? But it, I guess that just points to George his view on the Clone Wars, like what he wanted to do with it. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, the series was originally going to be about kind of like this ragtag group of like a Jedi and like um, a former pirate, kind of, kind of very similar to what Rebels became mm-hmm. and that they would be focused more on like stopping piracy and that Obi-Wan and Anakin would either never or very rarely show up in the series. Mm. Like when when Dave was hired on, that's what he and his writers were working on. And then George Lucas comes in and says, uh, actually, uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna change that up. It's gonna be we're gonna center around Anakin and Obi-Wan and Anakin has Padawan. And they're like, What? Anakin has a Padawan? <laughs> What's from my notebook for Star Wars? Uh, it's it's all there, trust me. I am I'm yeah. out of this universe. <laughs> and yeah. so Sam Witwer appears in this series. He's a mega Star Wars fan. He voices the son in the Mortis trilogy as well as Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. And he he talked about how he'd have conversations with George Lucas's son, Jet Lucas. Mm-hmm. And Jet would say that Clone Wars is is Star Wars made by a guy who's done with Star Wars. Like George George Lucas really made Star Wars because he's so in love with film. So they break stories by George referencing classic films. 
so that's why when you watch this series it's like a, it's kind of like an, a love letter to cinema yeah the way it's shot the homages mm-hmm. the the biggest homage um for me and this still stuck with me was the zillow beast um <laughs> arc of it, it it starts off with very much just like a standard oh there's this monster on this planet that is being disturbed because of the clone wars let's take care of the monster okay cool um and then it very quickly turns into nope this is king kong this is the story of king kong um (laughs) so there you go and it's king kong in the star wars universe and it's great Mm -hmm. um and there are just so many other little cinematic references um sprinkled throughout the series and I find it fascinating that this season or the season, the series even exists. Um, and I'd like, if I may, for a brief moment yeah. to take you on a journey back to 1977, the summer of, and to read you a bit of dialogue from Star Wars A New Hope, um, at the time just called Star Wars The Motion Picture. Um, where this is right when Ben Kenobi, or now Obi-Wan Kenobi, has brought Mm -hmm. Luke Skywalker back to his hut. And scene opens on the interior of Obi-Wan's house, hut, villa, whatever you want to call it. Um, And the dialogue starts as such. No, my father didn't fight in the wars. He was an navigator on a spice freighter. That's what your uncle told you. He didn't hold with your father's ideals. Thought he should have stayed here and not gotten involved. You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes, I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. And that one line from Luke, you fought in the Clone Wars. Those six words birthed not only the prequels, but this seven-season-long series. (laughs) Um, And I'm sure when Lucas was writing this in the 70s, he was like, I need a war that sounds science fiction-y that could exist in this universe. Uh, clone Wars. Maybe there were clones fighting each other. Who knows? And there we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, Imagine just, yeah, be- before having this as context, wondering what the Clone Wars were like. Right. And if you kept reading on with that quote, I feel like something else this series does a good job about is showing us the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin, like how they were good friends, how he was a cunning warrior. Mm -hmm. Interesting bit of note in terms of the voice direction. So James Arnold Taylor reprises his role as of Obi-Wan in this Clone Wars series. He had previously voiced him in video games and the micro series. Mm -hmm. And in, in previous times where he voiced the character, he was very much kind of just doing a voice double for Ewan McGregor, mm-hmm. but Dave Filone, Filoni and the other the production members really pushed him to make the character his own. So he kind of infuses a little bit of Alec Guinness into it. Mm-hmm. And he's talked about in interviews how when they were recording scenes, James Arnold Taylor would tell Dave Filoni, this is how Ewan would react and, or say this line. And Dave would say, no, I'm not, I don't, I don't care what Ewan would do. I want to know what James would do. And so it's just interesting that like he would veer him away from what like maybe like 
Ewan McGregor might do. And you, and um, I mean, that's, I feel like that's kind of what makes these characters mythic. Like you have, and also with casting. So Matt Lucas was originally cast as Anakin. He voiced Anakin in some video games and in the micro series. But then I think they just ended up feeling like it didn't work. Like they didn't need an exact match of Hayden Christensen. So Mm -hmm. when fast forward to Matt Lanter auditioning and he didn't know what the character was, they asked him to do a combination of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. Huh. And so like, and like you hear the character and you could totally see that. Yeah. And I think it just leads to these characters being just mythic characters. And I think it's, it's helped me to accept things like Alden Ehrenreich playing Han Solo because Han Solo is so much bigger than Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, these characters that Lucas created have taken on a life of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, oh, so Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor are running down this hallway, you know. Um, it's Anakin and Obi-Wan are running down this hallway together, whether it's in the Clone Wars, in live action, uh, in a video game. And it, it yeah they they are beyond the actor yeah and something fun about clone wars is there there's kind of this through line in the entire series but it really exists on story arcs and it kind of jumps around like especially in the first few seasons they jump around timeline wise like there's episodes in season three that take place before the clone wars movie or episodes in season one Mm -hmm. and so it it just, I think it, it scratched a, a Star Wars itch that I've always had where like I grew up, I would watch the movies and I'd read the comics and I'd read droid tales where it's like this kind of fairy tale adventure that C-3PO and R2-D2 go on. And it's like, we get some of that in this series, but yet they're all, they feel, it still feels like it's part of the same universe. Yeah. And what makes... I think getting into now this final season, what makes mm-hmm. this great is seasons one through six were all, they just took place between episode two and three at some point. Um, there's not really a, I mean, there are some episodes where it's clearly like, oh, this took place maybe like a week or so after the end of episode two. Yeah. There are some episodes where you're like, I have no clue where this is taking place. Um, and then there are some episodes where you're like, I don't understand where some of these characters are, but you know what? I'm going to roll with it. <laughs> um, or like why these characters are doing the things they're doing. Um, the one, the weirdest episode, and not because it was like strange or surreal, but the one that just kind of threw me off guard because of how absurd it was, is there's a brief episode where General Grievous is on Naboo and the Gungans, Jar Jar's uh, race of people, uh, are able to defeat Grievous, like, real quick with spears. And they take him prisoner briefly. Oh, Shadow Warrior. Yeah. Yeah. Season four episode. And that episode just kind of stuck out to me of, like, I- I'll-, I'll buy it. And this was so strange <laughs> um, to have, like, you know, genius 
you know, strategist, tactitioner, warrior, taken down by the frog people with spears. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, and well, I think in that episode, Grievous does put up a fight because what happens is they they shut down all the droids. So then That's it's true. Grievous up again the, against the entire Gungan army. And he does put up a pretty good fight. And it just, it gives you more depth to characters or payoff to characters like General Tarples, who shows mm -hmm. up in episode one. He yeah. gets a great scene here. He sacrifices himself. That's true. That episode also, it has some great Jar Jar comedy in it. I, I watched it recently, so that's why I'm able to recall it better. But mm -hmm. he's basically pretending to be um, the new... So in so from episode one, remember, Boss Nass was the leader. Yeah. Now he's retired. There's a new Gungan who kind of looks like Jar Jar, who Jar Jar is impersonating. Yes. And just the scene... <laughs> with him and uh general grievous is is just i think it's so funny it's just two characters on the opposite ends of the like character spectrum of like goofy comedy relief intimidating terrifying evil man and yeah. just put them in a room together and it's like this is strange this is weird yeah and you see jar jar being so unintimidating like he's <laughs> he's playing with the height of the chair yeah <laughs> um so i um we digress um but what made this season great is the first eight episodes of this final season i think were great character pieces um world building but i truly feel what this season was building to were the last four episodes Oh my gosh, yes. Like, and even me being a diehard Clone Wars fan, yes, it was great seeing the first eight episodes and, like, kind of jumping back into that world. But I, each episode I was kind of like, oh, this isn't exactly what I want. Siege of Mandalore is what I wanted. Yes. Um, in particular for me, and we had talked about this as it was um, premiering. Yeah. These, the, the middle four episodes, I was just not a fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the the arc with the Martez sisters. Yeah, kind of Ahsoka's walkabout. Ahsoka, yeah. And, like, it bothered me, and it bothered me because I was thinking, okay, final, eight, final 12 episodes, they're going to hit big, they're going to hit hard. Here we go. The first four episodes, very strong start. Mm -hmm. Rescue Mission, fighting the techno union who i don't think get enough love in the star wars universe <laughs> love me some Wat tambor um he's the unsung dj of the separatists and we all know it um <laughs> but then the next four episodes just were kind of like <sighs> for me it was yeah. very like okay that's fine i already knew ahsoka's character and i already knew her deal we could have had maybe one episode with the Martez sisters. That very first episode, I think, would have been fine. And then it kind of kept going. Yeah. And what really annoyed me was similar to what you said of, like, there were 12 episodes, and we spent a third of them on this plot. Mm -hmm. I, like, for me, I cared about Ahsoka. I did not care about the Martez sisters. Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, 
I don't I didn't want to be fan servicey, but like if they had paired her up with like and this is a deep cut to the sequels, but like the Crimson Corsair or some other bounty hunter that we see later, be like, oh, okay, cool. So they also exist during the Clone Wars. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of like, here's some random sisters who Ahsoka gets to go with. And I'm like, okay, I, you're great. But like, you mean as much to me as the pod racers do in episode one. Like, you're there and you provide some world building, but I don't need to know much about you. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Like th- they were they were there to kind of give some perspective on the galaxy. Hopefully, mm-hmm. though, with watching those episodes, you feel like it it rewards you in the Siege of Mandalore, understanding where Ahsoka is. Like, there's a couple of good scenes in that arc where Ahsoka talks about why she's doing what she's doing. She's like, in my life, when when someone needs help you help them. I guess that's just who I am. Yeah. And then you hear about the Martez sisters view of the Jedi and, and like that line that they say, so they talk about how they reference an event that we kind of see in season one yep. of Clone Wars and how they were impacted by it and their parents died mm-hmm. and how the Jedi came to um, like check in on things and left them with saying, um, you get to choose your destiny now. The, the the force works in mysterious ways or like the force will be yeah. with you. And like, I feel like Dave Filoni talks about how Star Wars works best when it's fantastical, but it feels like it could be taking place right down the street from you. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like you could imagine people saying similar things to that, to, um, to that effect to you. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and then the sisters later on, they say that they wish that all the Jedi were like Ahsoka. Like, this is, like, this is, this is what I want the Jedi to be like. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like it really puts into perspective where she's at then for Siege of Mandalore and how she's able to get there. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I feel like we could have had that in maybe two episodes, though. I don't know. Yeah, I felt right. like there's one episode where they start in jail and then they, they end up back in jail. I I remember that was I think the third episode of the arc. I was like, ah, this episode was here to introduce the Mandalorians being on this planet for like ten seconds. Cool. Right. I wasted twenty five minutes of my day. I regret this now, and I was a little a little angry because I'm like we this is it. This is all we get. We're done. Yeah. And we spent a whole episode of them leaving jail, running across the facility, getting close to the ship, getting captured, and getting back to jail. And there's the one time where we see the Mandalorians looking out with their, you know, trinoculars, and it's like, the Jedi is here. Should we, you know, engage? Not yet. And that's it. And it's like, oh, okay. I know. Cool. Cool. See you later, guys. I feel some of that too. Even being like, uh, Clone Wars can do no wrong. I love it so much. I, I feel some of that too. And, and there was a little bit of pain in watching some of these episodes, but yeah. the Siege of Mandalore more than made up for it. Oh my gosh. And you, you know, the two of us both unequivocally love The Last Jedi. I think we both agree that it is the best of the sequel trilogy. Wholeheartedly. 
I feel like we get some homages there in this. Yeah. In the first episode, at least, when Anakin is walking up all alone mm-hmm. to the droid forces, kind of mirrors what Luke does mm-hmm. in episode eight. Um, just And just that start where th- there's a lot of homages to the Clone Wars movie, too. Mm-hmm. Dave Filoni always said that he they started with the movie he felt like they should end with the movie and i feel like you get it because in the first episode of this force series arc you get the voiceover narration in the beginning Mm -hmm. and then the next three you don't yeah and speaking of that intro they redesigned grievous just for like you see him for a second if if that it's like very briefly they just say you know the ruthless general grievous and he's there on screen looking way cooler than he did in the original season or series and then gone never seen doesn't him. he look so sinister he looks it's it's the perfect bridge between animated grievous and episode 3 grievous yeah uh yeah yeah so good like the love it's in every detail every frame of the, these four arcs. It's just so much love was put into this. Yeah. Oh, and it, it's just, I think it's kind of a great, this this first episode in this first scene, it's kind of a great, great send off to the Anakin that we know of this. He's like this swashbuckling hero. Mm-hmm. And seeing a little bit of that banter between him and Obi-Wan is so much fun. Yeah. Um, and... And then seeing the reunion between Anakin and Ahsoka. And it's really like we as an audience are like hanging on every moment, every word. But for the characters, they don't know that this is going to be the last time they see each other. Right. And I could just watch that scene where Anakin shows Ahsoka the 501st troops which their helmets are decked out pattern after her it's just it's so emotional and everyone's calling her commander even though she's not a part of the republic yeah. military anymore oh yeah and i mean the siege of mandalore itself was just amazing and um i love 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 maul in the clone wars mm-hmm. um, whole series because they so perfectly insert him into the overall narrative and canon of Star Wars that it's not, it in no way ruins the plots of episode two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can, it's, it's almost kind of like, again, it's like, here's the behind the scenes stuff that you weren't seeing. Here's, you know, backstage. All this was also going on. But you, if you don't want to watch it, it's not going to hurt. Yeah, um, it just adds more depth and like more yeah. more depth to his character. Where like we just see him in episode one, we know he's a good fighter. But if he was the apprentice to like the greatest Sith Lord ever, this genius, of course he would have like that tactical mind. And we get to see him kind of try to create his own empire, try to create his start his own war. Mm-hmm. And I love that we can what we see very briefly in episode three, um, we get expanded upon with Maul. And what I'm referencing in episode three is the very beginning mm-hmm. when Anakin beheads Dooku. Yeah. Um, where 
the Chancellor, who of course is this is Darth Sidious, um, you know, says, you know, kill him, kill him now. And we see Dooku look at Palpatine with just like, what? Dude, <laughs> we're on the same, what? Like kind of this disbelief of like, huh? And it's kind of all of those emotions are kind of drawn out with Maul in this season of like, you know, I was hoping he would bring Skywalker. I'm talking about Obi-Wan, the Siege of Mandalore. Like, I hope he bring, bring Skywalker because I need to make sure that Palpatine doesn't get, Sky, get Anakin because I know he's going to use him for his ultimate plan. Yeah, that he's the prized pupil. He's the one who's been groomed. Mm-hmm. He's the key. And to think that, like, Dooku kind of had that whole mindset in episode three of, like, uh, what about our plan? What about the master plan? I, have the de- I got the Death Star for you. <laughs> During the Battle of Geonosis, what do you mean? This is the whole thing. And we're going to kill me? You know, um, like, it, it gives much more depth to that scene in particular for me. Um, how Maul keeps bringing up the plan, the plan. Oh, you don't know about the plan. Oh, this was the plan. And like, as Order 66, you know, starts, we see that Palpatine had put in, not only kill the Jedi, but also kill any other, like, Force user, pretty much. Um, How they immediately are like, all right, get Ahsoka, and let's go get Maul. Yeah. Uh, Let's cut up that loose end. Yeah. Um, And the last four episodes were great because we get the Siege of Mandalore, which is already just a great, um, like... Finale? Finale. And then season or episode four starts, and it's just like waiting for the pin to drop. Mm-hmm. Just, or sorry, episode four, episode three. Um of this whole arc, you're just waiting. You're like, okay, they got Maul. I know. Now, the next thing that should happen would be Order 66. When is that going to happen? Because it's, it's something that when I was watching the Clone Wars series, it's kind of neat to think about that these clones are so humanized and we see how, how the relationships they have with each other and with the Jedi. And so, yeah, as as we're getting closer and closer to that happening, I was feeling this dread in my stomach. Yes. Yes. Um, the, especially in episode three, because it starts off just like this, we see the Mandalorians, you know, bringing out Maul and this kind of forced user containment unit. Like a big, yeah. It's From like, ancient times. Yeah. It's, it's almost like carbonite freezing light. Um, you know, big block, but there's a window. You can see out. Um, and like it's silent and you just hear the footsteps and like this low music playing and I'm just like yeah that music carries through almost the entire episode until the pin drops yeah and just it it just feels it fills you with dread as an audience member yeah you're like I'm like something it's gonna happen I don't know what's gonna happen if they're gonna still be on the landing platform it's gonna happen the Mandalorians are gonna get involved with Order 66 or like I don't know what's going to happen. And just, 
And what made season seven so great is starting on that eighth episode when this whole arc begins. Yeah. The first episode kind of ends, or close to the ending of that episode, we see that Anakin and Obi-Wan are about to go off with Ahsoka to Mandalore to go get Maul. And then the alarm sounds, that classic Star Wars, you know. It's really good. Thank you. I have not been practicing alone in my room during this pandemic. Um, But like that goes off and then it's like, oh, Coruscant's under attack. And so at that point you're like, begin episode three, here we go. Yeah. Um, And it's, you're like, okay. Now I'm trying to think timeline wise, like when are days happening? When are nights happening? Because episode three itself really takes place within maybe like four or five days. It's, I've heard so many different things. I've heard people say months, but I think we can say it's not months after the Siege of Mandalore. I've heard people say about a week, about 10 days. I can see like 10 days at the latest. Yeah. Because um, we don't know like in between episode two and three, how long it took for them to fully regain control over Mandalore um, right. after they got Maul. Um, but yeah, so like we're... At this point, I'm like, okay, so they're either going to put Order 66 in the fourth, in the final episode, or it's going to be here. And when it was just so quiet at the start of this one, I was like, oh, it's, it's going to be in this one. It's going to end <laughs> with 66. And I thought because Rex knew about the inhibitor chips that he would have already deactivated it or he would have somehow like been able to fight it. And we kind of see him fighting it. Yeah. Um, initially, when Order 66 goes out, um, and my thought was kind of used, or a theory I had was kind of put into play in the last episode, where once Ahsoka performs the quickest of surgeries... It's not even Ahsoka, it's, it's the astromech, R7A7. Yeah, after the <laughs> quickest and most haphazard brain surgery, um, <laughs> like Rex tries to tell the other clones like well she we told we were told to kill the jedi and she's technically not a jedi so i thought oh they're not going to kill her but maybe there'll be some other jedi on board that we don't see and they'll start killing them and ahsoka's going to be like huh and then rex would be like we gotta go or something like that but it was and even though i knew this was how it's going to end it's that it happening in that third episode of that arc was just heartbreaking. <laughs> mm, yeah, it was. Oh. And yeah, it was, it was so cool though too. Mm-hmm. Just, and something I think we got to talk about too is the, the revelations about Anakin that Ahsoka hears. Mm-hmm that he's the key and then that she, she can sense that something awful happens to Anakin when she's, what she's sensing is Anakin cutting off Mace Windu's hand and joining Darth Sidious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I love the used dialogue and audio from episode three. Yes. Um, which I just loved. Um, just so good but Uh, this makes you think like if ahsoka would have told the council or even just yoda about what maul said would things have turned out differently 
yeah, like, oh, it's crazy to think, because, like, um, I mean, we see, and they cut it so well, um, where Ahsoka comes into the, like, briefing, with the holograms, and then as soon as she leaves, we get Mace Windu saying, you know, I sent the plot to destroy the Jedi, which, of course, is a scene directly from episode three. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's edited so well that I'm like, okay, so she could have realistically just been right there in episode three. We, of course, we missed her. Yeah. Um, and it's, but yeah, if she would, I mean, would they have even believed her though? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. would, if she even told Mace Windu, who was like second only to Yoda, like, you know, Master Windu, I was talking with Maul, turns out, Anakin is part of this Sith Lord's plan. We should like either keep him on lockdown or like send him somewhere else. Oh, Windu would totally believe it because he is so distrustful of Anakin. <laughs> would he believe it or would it have been like, you were you were his Padawan. How can I trust you? And should we really be trusting a Sith Lord? Like, should we trust them all? Maul's probably lying. Anakin's fine. No way, because because remember, he tells Anakin when Anakin comes to him in episode three saying, I believe that Palpatine's the Sith Lord. Mace Windu says, if this is true, you will have gained my trust. Ouch. That's they true. All That's that, true. And he doesn't trust him. Ouch. Oh. Yeah. But I, I got to think that there's got to be so much guilt weighing on Ahsoka. And I think... I think she's really denying the truth that she knows about Anakin. Because mm. I can't believe we haven't even talked about this, but the scene in the second episode, the Phantom Apprentice between Maul and Ahsoka, where Ahsoka's about to join Maul to stop Darth Sidious. But, yeah. it's, but the thing is, she sees the good in Anakin. Mm-hmm. She, she, um, she just sees the best in him. And so when Maul says that he's being groomed to be this apprentice, the Sith apprentice who's going to just destroy everything. Mm-hmm. She's like, there's no way that's true. And she's like, all right, that's where I'm, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just, but it turns out she was wrong. Yeah. Like, how does she reconcile with that fact? Oh, it would, I mean, it's so terrible. I mean, it'd be like if, you know, there was a serial killer and someone who came to me who had been with that serial killer was like, Anthony is going to join this guy and start committing murders. I'd be like, what? <laughs> no. Yeah. Anthony would never do that. And then the next thing I see, you know, Anthony Delpia's, you know, manhunt for Delpia's. I'd be like, huh? I am, my whole world is shaken. Mm-hmm. And to think that, like, when Order 66 happens, I mean, Ahsoka was probably thinking, she said that something's bad happening, but I'm wondering how long she was thinking, like, Anakin's dead. Which I guess, if we go back to um, A New Hope Obi-Wan, from a certain point of view, Anakin was dead. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a really good point. So, we know through in Star Wars, there's just a special bond between masters and apprentices. That's why in season, I'm getting so deep and nerdy. That's why in season six, the lost missions, why do you remember when um, Palpatine and Dooku are like messing with Yoda 
like in that cauldron thing mm-hmm. and Sidious is using Dooku kind of as a conduit because they have that connection because Dooku was Yoda's apprentice and mm-hmm. Dave Filoni has said that Ahsoka believed that Anakin died after um, at the at the end of the Clone Wars after Order 66 because when she reached out in the force she couldn't sense him yeah whereas before she would be able to because they they have that master apprentice bond yeah and it's because he's fully embraced Darth, the dark side Darth Vader mm-hmm. and I I just think though that Ahsoka kind of like at her very very core she knows the truth about Anakin but mm-hmm. she's denying it and she can't accept it. Yeah. And I think that's why in the end scene, there's so much weight to her putting down that lightsaber. It's the lightsaber that Anakin had refurbished and given to her. There's symbolism there. Yeah. And it's that, and I guess it kind of brings us to the end of this whole arc of like, we see um, Ahsoka and you know Rex escape together. Um, leads us into Rebels in a way um, or sets up how they're going to react or interact in Rebels um, which I've not gotten there yet. I'm watching Rebels currently. Haven't gotten there yet but I do know that Ahsoka and Rex show up. Uh, I wish you in a perfect world you would go in without knowing that but it's tough. I know. I won't spoil anything for you. Um, So I just know that at some point they show up. Um, and I know that Ahsoka wears that kind of grayish robe that she's, or cloak that she's wearing at the end of Clone Wars in Rebels. Um, so I was like, okay, we're setting up to see them later on in Rebels. Um, but it, it just stung. It just hurt. Because um, we start off with like, okay, so here is the end of the Clone Wars. The wars are over officially. At this point in the Republic is now the Empire. Um, Everyone has come to the grips with this. And then we see all of the 501st clones. Because even even to the very end, Ahsoka's like, these are my friends. I'm not going to kill them. And that's huge. Because we see in Episode 3, Yoda and I think Obi-Wan, they're just, they're they're killing the clones. Yeah. Just straight up, just like, nope, we're just going to mow you down. Yeah. And Ahsoka's like, no, these were soldiers who fought by my side. How can I do that to them? Even though she knows that they will not hesitate at all to kill her. I know. Um, and that it just shows the... So much to her character. Yeah. And so, like, the biggest unexpected time jump, because I thought, like, oh, this is the end. It's going to be all the helmets... With, like on the sticks on top of their graves and we're gonna you know black out to that end of Clone Wars but then and then it punches you harder in the gut <laughs> where we see that it is now you know maybe five six years later yeah um there's stormtroopers and imperial probe droids which I appreciate them showing how big the Imperial probe droids are because those things aren't small. They're pretty big. They're about as big as a person, but in episode five, you don't get that. Anyway, little gripe of mine. Um, In very, very quick aside uh, at the now closed due to this coronavirus, 
um, at Disneyland and Disney World and Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, there's a ride called Rise of the Resistance. It's a great ride. Highly recommend if you get a chance to go there. But you encounter a probe droid, a First Order probe droid in that ride, and it is as big as they are supposed to be, and it's terrifying up close. Does it look different than the original trilogy probe droid? Um, has like an extra arm, but like pretty much <laughs> the same oh, thing. That's that's pretty different. It's like, oh, you gotta, gotta. A lot more capabilities. <laughs> yeah, it's like this thing is a beast at video games. <laughs> extra arm really is it's a game changer. Um, but like you encounter one of those anyway. Um, and so we see like just no dialogue this for this last scene, but we just mm-hmm. see these stormtroopers and it's snowing. And at first I thought, did they crash land on like Hoth? <laughs> like, is this taking place during episode five? Like what is happening here? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see Vader now go up to the site of this one last 501st helmet that's still sticking through the snow. And he picks up Ahsoka's lightsaber, brushes it off, and there's something flying up above him. Yes. You know, I was hoping you noticed that. Which I don't know what it is. I'm assuming it's something to do with Rebels. Yeah, you'll, you'll notice it in Rebels, and we'll continue oh, this conversation. Gotcha. Um, and, of course, we, he has the lightsaber, ignites it, and then turns away and walks back to the troopers. And we just see the outline of him in the reflection of the helmet of the 501st and yeah and not only is it a 501st helmet but it's the soka design one mm-hmm. <sighs> and that's our final image of clone wars is vader walking away yeah oh so good yeah the stark different this difference of like colors all washed out now mm-hmm. oh so good i and i think continuity is can be really fun and interesting but i I think continuity should also be always be second to story story should always be the first and something really interesting is that so there was this novel of soka that came out a few years ago mm-hmm. that details an adventure of soka has a year after these events mm. and in the book there are some quick flashbacks to what happens in, a little bit in siege of mandalore mm-hmm. and the great thing is so Going into Siege of Mandalore, I was kind of bummed because I felt like I, I knew some of the things that would happen. Mm-hmm. But I was really happy to see that they played out differently. And the Lucasfilm story group has said that the books are canon until, until the point where they contradict something on screen, then the on-screen thing is canon. Gotcha. So um, something that happened in the books were in Ahsoka's fight with Maul, she basically lures him into a, a ray shield trap. Mm. I don't know how much they, they fought originally in that original story, which yeah. I'm still glad they didn't do because this was so much better. That fight scene, Ray Park, Ray Park was Maul. Like yeah. they put the dots on him. Mm-hmm. And there's a video on it behind the scenes. It's mm. incredible the animation they were able to use because you can see as he's doing the moves, and um, the stunt actress who, who uh, does Ahsoka, she's also a big stunt actress. She's in a movie that, um, that is on the tip of my tongue, but I, I can't think of what it is right now. But you 
see as they're doing their fight choreography, there's this, the editors are on the computer screen and you see the character models doing it. Yeah. It's insane. So cool. So yeah. cool. And I think that's also just a further testament to, to what Star Wars is and what it was for Lucas, where Star Wars is this exploration of sci-fi and cinema and, um, and like world building and characters and the hero's journey. And also on the technical side, advancements in film technology, whether it is using blue screen um, to, to create these amazing space battles in the original trilogy. And even looking at some of the original cuts of episode four, five, and six, it still looks great. It yeah. still looks amazing today. And sure, it looks a little bit dated, but like, you know, it still holds up. It's like, okay, I believe that they're in space. I believe that this is all happening, um, which I believe was the um, tagline of the original Star Wars of this could all be happening right now. <laughs> You're uh, right, yeah. So like, you know, this, it just shows the staying on the cusp of film technology yeah. and staying on the forefront of innovation. And yeah, the bleeding even, edge. We see this even in, very briefly, another Disney Plus series, of course, Clone Wars was not started by Disney Plus, but this final season is gonna be wholly Disney-owned, Disney-run. Um, but The Mandalorian, um, Disney Plus started releasing a behind-the-scenes series on that, which I'm lo looking forward to that coming out each week. And yeah. they used this state-of-the-art filming technique where there are vast landscape shots, huge, you know, just intergalactic, various um, set pieces and sets and landscapes, and they're all created in a studio. Right. And you watch that show and you believe, oh, he's in the desert. Oh, he's in the mountains. Oh, he's in the forest. And no, they were all shot in a studio. And it's just mind-blowing yeah. um, that they're able to do all of this. And it's just... Whew. Yeah, the technology is incredible. Yeah. Some other differences were in the novelization, it talks about Ahsoka's sabers having green blades. And... Mm -hmm. Also, it talks about, I guess, like, Order 66 happened in, like, the jungle area of Mandalore. Like, she was still on Mandalore. Mm -hmm. And how, like, she left her two lightsabers and, like, um, swapped Rex's armor with a clone who died to, like, make it seem like he had died. But I I've much preferred this ending. Yeah. This was... I'm so glad they weren't just beholden to that, because they're like, well, we put it in a book, so... <laughs> yeah um but yeah it just and i gotta say at the end of all this props to the voice actor who did all every single clone oh d bradley baker oh my gosh what a guy yeah i that would you and i have both having done theater to a degree or performance you know like i couldn't imagine playing like all these different characters who at their core have very a very similar personality yeah and like to make your voice modulate just ever so slightly to make it someone different yeah just 
props to him. Although I did, I will have to say, one of the funniest things for me with Clone Wars is I'm like, it's clearly big budget because it's good CGI done week after week after week. Um, but they only hired like four voice actors. <laughs> um, there are some characters who I'd be like, ah, it's the clones. They're playing an alien now. So it's someone totally different. Yeah. Um, like I know James Arnold Taylor plays multiple people in mm-hmm. um, Clone Wars and Dee Bradley Baker plays multiple people in Clone Wars. Right. But yeah, something Dave Filoni did talk about though was that like they they were actually pretty cost effective with their budget. Like they were constantly finding ways to to cost less but to look better. Yeah. I do remember you told me early on when I started the series, like anytime you see an episode where Grievous is wearing a cloak, they spent extra money on that one to get the cloak in there. Yeah, they talk about how cloaks cost so much. (laughs) So every time I'd see a Jedi or like Count Dooku with a cloak, I'm like, oh, just look at the way it flows. I gotta take this in. (laughs) They spent good money on that cloak. Because like for the most of the series, Grievous is just himself without his cloak um Mm. and yeah just this kind of funny of like there's a cloak episode they really really pushed the budget on this one (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah so so good yeah i have a question for you yes so when order 66 is happening on the ship and Ahsoka hides in that little area where the droids are getting recharged. Did you recognize the astromech? The main one that helps her out? Mm, I feel like I should, but I'm not. (laughs) Oh. So that's actually, that's R7A7. That's her, that was her astromech when she was a Padawan. So like we first see it in, I think it's Storm over Ryloth in in season one, when she's on her, she's leading her first mission. And she says to the droid, something like, yeah, R7, it's my first mission too. Oh, gotcha. And she like loses all of her like whole squadron of fighters. And then it, it shows up a couple more times in her fighter, like in little, in little, um, in l- small little scenes, like blinking and you miss it. But I just thought, like, God, like that attention to details, so wonderful. And the one droid, cheap CH three three P, that's <laughs> the same type of model as Chopper in Star Wars Rebels. I did think, like, is this Chopper? Is it? Is this just straight up Chopper? <laughs> But yeah. then I see, of course, later on he gets killed. Whoops. So, And the other astromech droid, I can't remember its name, but um, it's named after a train in Pittsburgh, and it has the same markings as it. And uh, Dave, yeah. yeah, Dave Filoni is from Pittsburgh, and uh, his brother works on trains. Gotcha. That's, I thought, I'm like, that's an Art Deco-looking droid there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, modern. Um, yeah. Um. Oh, so good. Yeah, that was so good. And I, w- I was so sad when those droids got shot down. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, oh, oh. Okay, this is this is dark. Oh, <laughs> um, like also, I don't know. And I actually had this conversation with a friend earlier today. Like, yeah, 
Star Wars has a very weird thing with droids of like, they are robots and therefore subservient. And also they have free will and can do whatever they want. So they're basically humans. So why are we treating them like slaves? And this is confusing. Anyway. I know that always bothered me. And like you see in some some material, like in Rebels and here in Clone Wars, people treating them with more dignity. Yeah. And it, it, it has always hurt because I've, I, the droids are really what drew me into Star Wars in the first place. Mm-hmm. In episode two, where Obi-Wan gives that diss about droids when uh, he's talking to Dexter Jetster at Dexter's Diner. Yeah. Like, oh, if droids were programmed to think, then none of us would be here, something like that. Like, yeah, oh, I was like, oh, so they recognized the singularity as a possibility, and they stopped it. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, yeah, just, uh, yeah. But, like, overall, this season was, other than the middle part, <laughs> uh, 1 through 4, and then 8 through 12, I thought were great. Mm-hmm. Just solid solid star wars um more world building loved it and just some of the designs in episodes one through four i loved Mm -hmm. like the um techno union droids were very unnerving to look at i don't know they were very like spindly Mm -hmm. um almost like vultures um but very skeletal looking i don't know very yeah and they could fly. Um, and like the aliens that they encounter, the natives on that planet, on um, um I'm blanking on the name now. Oh, I can't remember either. Oh my goodness. Um, but like the way their voices sounded both robotic but also natural, and like the sound editing, the sound design was just top notch. Um my only my only gripe about these uh-huh. episodes. I wish we had a little more Obi-Wan. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but... we at least, yeah. We at least got more of... He he showed up again in the Siege of Mandalore in episode two. Yes. I thought we were just done with him, but yeah, it was nice to see yeah. him again. Who is your favorite member of the Bad Batch? Oh, man. I'm horrible with names, so you're gonna have to forgive me. What I really liked the like the nerdy one, <laughs> with the one with the glasses. Yeah. Yes, I'm playing on his name. But he had like a receding hairline and everything. Like. Yeah, his like, name's Tech. Yeah, like the tacticianer guy. He was great. Loved him. Um, I loved the concept of the Bad Batch of like these clones were all a little off, but also they fit within if we go back to Star Wars referencing um, like Mm sci-fi, like they very much were kind of, they were very reminiscent of like the Marines from Aliens or references to like Predator or Rambo, Mm -hmm. action heroes, so I really appreciated that of like, okay, we're still doing the cinema references even in this last season. Right. So um, I thought that was great. So yeah. Oh, so good. But yeah. Who's your favorite of 
the Bad Batch? I think I would have to say Wrecker, but I think Tech's armor looks the coolest. Yes, yeah. Wrecker was cool, but I I really it not bothers me, but I always get annoyed whenever it's like, oh, it's the big strong guy, and he's kind of dumb. I'm like, what well, a big strong guy who's like, I enjoy poetry and the finer things in life. Like, <laughs> you know, it's always like me smash. It's like it's the Hulk. Okay, <laughs> yeah, cool. we've seen that over and over. Um, give us something different. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, it was a neat concept, and I like the Bad Batch. Um. Although I wish that it had been something that we had seen earlier. Yeah. Um, and had shown up in um, earlier seasons. But, oh well. With this, so they would, they would kind of like write the stories three years ahead of when they were released. And yeah. Dave Filoni had spoken in interviews where, so the Bad Batch were originally supposed to show up in like season six, what would it be season six or season seven and how this one writer who like created the bad batch always mm-hmm. would try to get them into the stories they were having. And Dave Filoni jokes where it would be an Ahsoka story where she's not with the Republic and this writer would be like, and the bad batch show up. And he's like, well, why would they show up? <laughs> not affiliated with the Republic. She's not doing anything with clones. That's funny. It's like, and then they're here. Why? <laughs> Why are they here? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I do wish that we also saw, like, maybe, I don't know, if we saw, like, Ahsoka talking to Obi-Wan. I don't know if that would contradict anything that we see in Rebels. Um, I thought it would have been really cool to see her talking to Obi-Wan and him being like, I gotta go protect the future of the Republic. Or something like that, where it's like, well, we're referencing Luke. We're not gonna say his name, but we're gonna reference him. Um, but, but yeah, I... The last four episodes, I think, were some of the best Star Wars I'd seen. Oh, completely agree. Yeah. Um... Like, there are moments that stick out for me. Some of them include, like, um, Vader at the end of Rogue One, hacking through all the rebels. Um, The entire... I love, love, love the the first third of Return of the Jedi at Jabba's Palace. Everything with that, I think, is great. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, the cantina scene and... Now going on to that list is like Vader's outline in the 501st Ahsoka helmet. Mm -hmm. And just, oh, so good. And I think it was great that it came out on May May the 4th because on top of that, like other big announcements have come out since that we're going to be getting a new Star Wars film coming out in a few years. Um, of course, being helmed by Taika Waititi, who is involved in Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Getting a new Disney Plus Star Wars series um, that is yet to be announced officially, at least the name or anything like that. 
Um, and this one actually, this news came out as we were recording this. And I caught it and I figured I'd kind of stick it here at the end. It's kind of a, a general news alert and awareness. Ooh, can I guess what it is? Yes. That Boba Fett's apparently going to appear in The Mandalorian. Played by... Tamara Morrison. Oh! No. Uh, the Mandalorian has done more for me appreciating the prequels, I think, than it, than it intended to. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, we get, like, Death Watch and Super Battle Droids and everything in The Mandalorian as well. It's just great. It's just great. So good. And pit droids. We can see pit droids again. You guys don't get enough love from episode one. They don't. Uh, yeah, yeah, pit droids are great. So <laughs> much fun. Just Star Wars, it's so good. It's just so much fun. Um, and I think it's great because you can look at episode one through nine and there are things that you can praise and there are things that you can critique and there are things that you will love and there are things that you will hate. But similar to like a roller coaster, there are moments where you feel like everything's lost and then like there's great hope and just, ah, love Star Wars. <laughs> mm -hmm. And this I think was the perfect way to end the clone because I was, I was to be honest i was a little worried um having had those middle four i'm like please don't let this evangel be bad please don't let it be bad please let it be good please let it be good and it just shot beyond the moon <laughs> yeah so so amazing yeah do you have any uh final thoughts on the last season of clone wars before we wrap it up here uh just that the last four episodes of Siege of Mandalore are incredible. And that's, that's when I think about the last season of Clone Wars, that's really what I'm going to be thinking about. Yeah. Um, same. Those last four episodes are just amazing. And I don't know when this is being released, but there are murmurings on a certain subreddit, for those of you who are involved on Reddit, r slash um, prequel memes, which I frequent daily, um, someone is editing together the last four episodes of Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith and interspersing it so it'll be one eight, like one four hour long film. Ooh. So, um, for instance, I saw a um, really cool, they were showing their edit, a rough version of the edit. Mm -hmm. um, where we see Anakin and Obi-Wan run off because they're going to go to the Battle of Coruscant. And, you know, Ahsoka kind of looks back, looks down at the lightsabers, then kind of looks up. And then it's one of those classic Star Wars wipes. And then it goes right into the beginning where Anakin and Obi-Wan starfighters come into screen. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. I think it'll be a really cool edit to see the full... Siege of Mandalore, Battle of Coruscant, Obi-Wan versus Grievous, Anakin versus Obi-Wan, Order 66, ending with Vader with Ahsoka's lightsaber. Yeah. So good. Yeah. 
Well, out of 10 clone troopers, out of 10 members of the 501st, what would you give the last season of Clone Wars? As a whole, all 12, not just the last four, all 12. I wish it was just the last four. (laughs) As a whole, I would give it 8 out of 10. Okay. Because the last four are 10 out of 10 for me, but the other eight bring it down. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it same in 8 out of 10 because the first four were a great reintroduction of like, remember where we were? Remember Clone Wars? Remember this, remember this world? Oh, bring it back in. Come on in. It's, it, the water's fine. And then like all of a sudden you're swimming in the pool and like, you know, when you hit like a weird, like cold or warm spot and you're like, ugh, that was the middle four bit. And it's like, ah, that wasn't fun. And then you get to the end and it's like a water park. And you're like, oh, this is amazing. It's great. I just had to get through all the weird bit in the middle. Um, but yeah um, I remember texting with you and talking with you and some other people who are watching Clone Wars and being like I hope this Ahsoka thing wraps up quick because I guess for the Siege of Mandalore Um, or like when the Mandalorian showed up in episode like six or seven um, before they broke out of jail finally I was like oh there's the teaser for the last four episodes (laughs) there it is (laughs) A better plot is on its way. <laughs> um, they're literally just waiting around. <laughs> so, yeah, like, when can we start our thing? Yeah, it's like, oh, are we on yet? No, we still have to wait. Oh, back, I'll see you in the green room. I'll be in the green room. All right. Yeah. Let me know when I need to go on. Okay, thank they're, you. They're wandering around the set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll probably walk into that shot. I would love to see. Do you remember, like, Toy Story in particular did, like, animated outtakes? Yeah. At the end of Toy Story 2, I remember that. Yeah. I wish they had done something like that with Clone Wars, where it's, like, Anakin walks on, like, in the middle of that, like, the Martez sister thing, like, hey, hey, Snips. I, oh, sorry. I didn't know you were rolling. Sorry. Sorry. I'll, I'll come back to you at the break, you know, or doing something like that of, you know, um, it would just be really fun to see something like like an animated, very like like comedic um, outtakes of Clone Wars would be kind of fun. Yeah, that would. Yeah. Um, or like one of the Mandalorians is just like Boba Fett, and it's like, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know, I just figured it'd be kind of cool, you know, just kind of fun. It's like, I'm not there yet. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, I don't know. Anyway, well, this has been another episode, a very special episode of Double A Cinema Cast. We'll see you next time. Noise.